and welcome to our podcast, friends. We're doing it, Matt. We're going to make a podcast. So uh, welcome to Ballot Boxing, where Matt and Christina, friends you don't know yet, talk about the Oscar Best Picture nominees. Usually Matt and I try to watch all 10 nominees prior to the Oscars airing, discuss them amongst ourselves. So now we're just going to record those discussions. Yes, drop in. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun ride. It's it's called ballot boxing because we are going to verbally spar over the candidates. Discussion will be a plenty. Fantastic. Well, let's get started. Hi, Matt. Darling, hello. <laughs> I think that your voice. I was listening to some of our other episodes, and I think that your voice carries better because your voice is so much lower than mine. I'm. What do you mean? I don't think I have a deep voice at all. So I'm going to try to say this distance away from the microphone this time. Okay. We, we are having complaints from about from our, our listening audience. Well, they'd have no way to reach out to us to let us know. That is true. We are going to work on that. That is something I said I would work on. I haven't done yet. Uh, but I am. So just tell me if I get too far away from the microphone, because okay. I feel like last time we had better sound editing, all right. but not, but there were times you couldn't hear me because I was sitting back in my chair. Okay. So I'm really proud of us, like excessively proud of us because we managed to see women talking. We did it. Which was no easy feat. No. We happened to be in Ottawa, our nation's capital. Shout out Ottawa. Shout out to Ottawa. And um, while we were there, our our very gracious and helpful uh, nanny, mother-in-law, mom was there mm-hmm. and she was willing to stay with the kids in the hotel while, while we, we went. ventured out into the big city of Ottawa to mm-hmm. find a screening of women talking and it was a very urban movie theater experience it was the up the two escalators and there was a vip floor not that we used it and uh, it was it was very urban i felt very different than like the cineplex in our big box store here in the suburbs yeah it was thrilling yeah in in a way yes and just fun to be out doing something yes and and guilt-ridden at the beginning because we dumped our kids on my mom who weren't yet asleep they weren't and yet were miserable about yeah. us leaving yeah but and regardless they, they lived yes. it was a good experience they for everyone and we managed to watch women talking which at the end of the last episode, if you remember, we were like, that's one we're not even going to see. So this is this is good. I feel like statistically, if that's the one we thought we weren't going to be able to see, we checklist. Like, yeah, there's that's... nothing there's nothing stopping us from seeing the rest of them, which yeah. I believe are all available for rental. So Amazing. we should be able to finish this project. Yes. All right. So exciting. So as always, we will start with a plot summary. Uh, do you want me to start that? Up to you. Okay. So this movie is rated PG, which is dumb. Because it is not a PG movie. They don't, it, Matt, when we were going in, I said, this is so weird. It's only rated PG. And Matt said, yeah, maybe they like talked about it in metaphor or something because it's obviously not explicit. And while the act itself is not explicit, the aftermath certainly is. The content is too hard to explain. Like if you were, yeah. if you were guiding someone parentally in mm-hmm. this movie and a child turned to you and said, what's happening yeah to explain that to them would would blow their doors off yeah Um, it's it's... really upsetting and really very much an adult film and visceral like it's not yeah so it's not um some of the some of the images are visceral so i don't know if the p if the ratings people are listening to this podcast in canada but you need to change your rules because sometimes a little checklist does not does not quite cut it yeah. I feel like that's what happened here, right? Yeah, there's just a, checklist, a small, like... small amount of profanity and no mm-hmm. active violence being depicted on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, Therefore, it's so a PG. It's just grisly images. Wrong. Wrong, yeah. people. Okay, so anyhow. The, so the it plot... starts off, just that the, I had to preface we're, our... we're not going to spoil this movie, right? We're not? We're going to limit We're going to limit the spoilers. 
mild okay. spoilers. Mild. Things, things that you would know if you've either read the novel or have seen a trailer. Yes. But we're not going to get into the nitty gritty. Of and we're not going to spoil the ending. Of. What decision they end up making. Yeah. Okay. So it starts off with uh, a voiceover of the, the our main character or one of our main characters is talking to the audience as though it is her baby. And so talking about how, you know, you didn't, you didn't uh, see, you, you didn't ever live this. I'm going to tell you this story of, of how, what our lives were like before you came along. And uh, it cuts to uh, an, an overhead image. There's a lot of overhead imagery in this, overhead filming in this movie of uh, a girl, a what, young girl who has obviously recently been sexually assaulted. There's blood on her legs. She's like all askew and she wakes up really um, dozily like she's been drunk. So like the audience, adults are knowing exactly what happened here. And um, then as our narrator is telling her story, we find out that while the women in this small Amish slash Mennonite community uh, can't are, are being abused systematically, they also cannot read and write. And so they decide the men, the men decide that um, the women have to make a decision. What happens is the rapists are finally brought in by the local non Amish Mennonite authorities. The men go to bail them out. And while they're away, they tell the women, you have to decide what you want to do. So can I just clarify, is, is it that they've been directed to do this by the men or that the women of their own conviction have decided to meet in this opportunity that's been afforded to them because the men are gone? I think it's both. I think the men have said, you need to make a decision while we're away, but they never expect it to go the way it's going to go. They think the women are uneducated and stupid, and so they're not going to be able to organize themselves. And instead, they do organize themselves into voting for one of what they see as three possible options. Uh, stay and do nothing, stay and fight, or leave. leave. And so they all vote with an X on a piece of paper with pictures representing each of the three options. And uh, stay and do nothing is the only one that gets thrown out. It's a tie between stay and fight and leave. And then there are... And it's never clear exactly what fight means. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. um, stay and resist, stay and argue, stay and commit acts of violence and go to war. Um, all would be justifiable under the circumstances. But mm -hmm. we, it's not exactly clear what they mean by fight. Uh, and so they, three of the families are nominated to basically debate these, th these two remaining options and decide what all the women in the community are going to do. So then we're in a barn with these women and they start talking. Yeah. That's the, it. the movie is essentially like a, a it's one setting mm -hmm. really. It's on this, it's a Mennonite farm community colony. colony they call it a colony and the meetings that are taking place are taking place in the hayloft of a barn where the women are sitting on haystacks or sitting in chairs facing each other in a circle and having um a formal discussion around what the best courses of action are and they've all got different experiences with the violence that has taken place it's a a variety of women in terms of their age there are young girls pre sort of prepubescent girls and then there are you know menopausal or postmenopausal older women who are there as well um and plenty of very familiar faces it's a it's a stacked cast which includes uh jesse buckley the up-and-coming jesse buckley rooney mara claire foy francis mcdormand is in the film sort of in two scenes briefly mm -hmm. beginning and ending um and um and then playing uh, august the one man who's been left behind to become 
he's the minute taker factotum of this meeting is August and he's played by Ben Wishaw is the actor's name. And uh, you'd recognize him from the, he played Q in the most recent James Bond iterations oh, with Daniel Craig. I didn't realize that's who that was. What an actor he is. Oh, it's really, the, all of the acting performances in this. He was also in the Mary Poppins remake, I think. Okay. Yeah. Sure. I saw it a number of times, but I couldn't tell you mm -hmm. whether that's true or not. Um, uh, so yeah, that's the summary. And then, so they, they debate, uh, over the course of, of a day, um, what they're going to do and they've sort of come to a conclusion. And then Jesse Buckley's husband comes back in order to get horses to sell them, to make more bail money. The women are assuming they don't, it never really gets explained. It doesn't really matter. And, uh, and then the, the, the end of the movie sort of the third act of the movie sort of starts from there. Yes. Okay. And there's like, yeah, lots of scenes of of uh, not not again not direct violence but scenes of post-violent uh encounters and uh and it's all about what the women decide they want to do yeah okay so we're getting into a conversation about what we like uh what we didn't like and why we think it could be the argument could be made that it's best picture maybe we take a break here and then we'll come back and have Sounds that conversation. Good. okay we'll be right back all right Hi, Matt. Hi again. <laughs> okay, so I've done I've done a rambling, sorry folks, plot summary. Um, the, and... the, the film's based on a book by Miriam Taze, Canadian mm -hmm. author. Are you familiar with her work? I feel like I've read something else by her, but I can't put my finger on it. I've got a feeling it's her most well-known book. Yeah, Complicated I... Kindness is definitely yes. on our bookshelf. I yes. couldn't, I've read it and I couldn't tell you what it's about. Um, mm -hmm. And it's directed by Sarah Pauly, who is, to we Canadians, um, sort of a national treasure. Sort of a big deal. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're very, we're big fans um and we've we've known we're roughly the same age as sarah Pauli, and we've been aware of her our entire lives and her work as a director has always been um on the puny sorrows is another one that i read by miriam Tubbs. sorry okay go ahead taze taze sorry um sarah Pauli's work has always had sort of a, a seriousness of tone i think mm -hmm. um notwithstanding the work that she did on road to avonlea which she's playing she does not want you to reference thank you very much okay so <laughs> Uh, she's a little bit younger than us. Oh, I did not. No, she's not. Oh, she's no. a year older. Oh, sorry. 1985 to present. I was just Googling it. When she's That's acting. when she was acting. Okay. Okay, fine. She's a year younger. She's 44. Um, so. Uh, what do we like about the movie? Wait, no, I wanted to put Sarah Polly for a second. Okay. So big Sarah Polly fan. I grew up in a town, what, the, the town that was where Road to Avonlea filmed its non-PEI scenes. And so growing up, there were like spottings of Sarah Polly in town. And like, it was a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um. And then I have such a different perspective on that part of her life now. Uh, I'm part of a book club. And in our book club, my nomination for book, our monthly book last August was Sarah Pauly's first, first, I assume, book. Uh, it was called Run Towards Danger, which was seven mm, short stories is the wrong phrase, but that's how they categorize it. Seven Vignettes. short, sure, about um, one of which is about her major concussion she suffered not that long ago. And uh, one of which was about her time on Road to Avonlea. Mm. And so uh, it, I just view it totally different now. And she has a really interesting life story. And the book is certainly worth your time. So see, I just made our movie podcast into a book of podcast. There you go. Yeah, you're welcome, everybody. So uh, anyways, she's excellent. And I just really, I really am irritated she didn't get nominated for Best Director for this. Especially now after seeing the movie. But she's clearly got the talent and the the ear of important women in Hollywood, like Frances McDormand, important people, important people, but, Brad but Pitt's yeah, company produced this. So, yeah. Brad Pitt's production company, plan B produced it. Frances McDormand, um, 
from what I understand, and I'm going to crib a little something from a podcast I've listened to, an interview I heard on The Ringer with Sean Fennessy, Sarah Pauly talked about how um, one of her trepidations about coming back into the world of film was um, accommodating her schedule as a mother. Her priority is, is being a mother um, and looking after her children. And um, they, Francis McDormand is the sort of executive producer and part of the money behind the whole thing. They made it a priority to accommodate not only Sarah Polly, but all the women on mm -hmm. on cast and on the crew, um, and they sort of changed the workday to to recognize motherhood as being really important. But it's clear that like she's a talent worth making accommodation for mm -hmm. as well. Um, there's a lot a lot to like about the film. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what did you like about it, Max? Let's start there. Okay, so um, the first thing I noticed is the the desaturation. I thought it worked really effectively. Mm -hmm. uh, Sarah Polly's used um, some sort of filter to sort of mute the colors, make everything seem sort of drab and timeless and dusty and dusty and stark, um, and gray, frankly, it almost looks black and white, mm -hmm. and especially in the scenes where there is blood, mm -hmm. um, in the aftermath of violence, um, the blood almost appears like a dark brown or a black on mm -hmm. the screen. Um, and I thought that that was a really, a really intelligent touch because it made it uh, not of a particular time and place. And then it juxtaposes with scenes where the children are playing in the fields, where the saturation is brought back up again, um, as like the children's world is one that's wholesome and bright and colorful. And untouched by this, untouched this situation. by the grimness of what the adults and the, are dealing with. So I like that quite a bit. I also thought the editing was really good. Mm -hmm. um, specifically the way that she had a an auditory cue of when they were going to flash back to the violence that had taken place. I don't know if you noticed it or not. Probably not. There was like a clacking sound. Um, <clears throat> and then you'd see the women in their bedrooms um, mm -hmm. dealing with what had happened to them, often alone. Mm -hmm. And um, the way those were edited in worked really well. And I also thought, like, given that it's women speaking... Um, in the hayloft and that the conversation is very circular and it bounces around that you always had a sense of who was where in the in the loft so that's about I think the editing and the placement of the camera that you always had a, a sense of the geography and the movement of the conversation around the room um, and it, it she didn't um, you know rely too heavily on like really really tight close-ups or anything like that to to convey the emotion that sometimes it was important how people were um, uh, aligned in the camera view so that you could sort of see reactions and things like that. So I thought that was all really, really well done. So the next thing I liked a lot, and I know you liked it too, so I'm going to, I don't want to do all the talking on this one, is the acting performances. Mm -hmm. So I thought I'd ask you a question. I'm ready. Which is, which acting performance did you think stood out as being the most important or the most powerful or the most emotional? And I know it's three questions, but go ahead. No, I think I can answer it. I can answer with one, one person. So going into it, I thought it was going to be Claire Foy because I had a pre-existing relationship with her from The Crown. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, she's going to be my favorite actress in this for sure. And then halfway through, I thought it was Rooney Mara because I'm like her, she's very understated in this and very calm and sort of like the, the kind of um, like less emotional, more intellectual voice for all the women. And at the end of the day, it's Jesse Buckley. Because you don't know, because you don't, you like her and you don't like her. And then at the end, you find out what she's going through and why she is the way she is. Mm -hmm. And I thought her performance was the best out of all of them. And yet she's, she's the one that didn't get a nomination, correct? She did not. No. no. Did Rini Mara and Claire Foy? No. 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 None of the women did. None of them did. Hmm. Interesting. 
Well, and it tells you something about the the how stacked the field of mm-hmm. actresses is, and we haven't seen all the performances. Not yet. And there is the the case that can be made often that like in really really strong ensembles like this, what often will happen is that the women will can't the actors will cancel themselves out mm. right so you've got three people who are all worthy of an acting nomination everybody sees it everybody sees it differently mm-hmm. and then the nominations come through and nobody has the the critical mass to get to the point where they're on the ballot I, because like you're saying jesse buckley and i agree she was tremendous i'm changing my mind now though oh, see because i thought claire foy was really good oh so and she's she was... so like unhinged by no i thought she was the weakest of the three um her, her character ends up being sort of one note in the end she's just angry the entire time and i get that right. i think that's realistic but, but i think rooney mara's like intellectual like calm well i see it from this perspective and that perspective and I think, like i think i think claire foy had an urgency about her need to get i think you would claire foy because that's how i would react <laughs> What are we doing here? Yeah, well, that was something that I, I assumed, like, as we were watching it, I thought, Christina's going to see this as very cut and dried. Like, you yeah. just need to go. But, like, Claire Foy's character, they show her um, in the immediate aftermath before the men leave, taking, trying to take revenge, mm-hmm. like, committing an act of violence herself. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know what she's inclined to do, but we also, like, the subtext is that, like, what she has waiting for her when the men return is theoretically... We, we assume she's in it, she's in the worst trouble mm-hmm. when the men come back. We don't know Jesse Buckley's story, mm-hmm. but we do know that we've seen an act of Claire Foy seeking retribution, and that's going to be, theoretically, you'd think it's going to have some really negative ramifications for her. So her urgency made a lot of sense, mm-hmm. and her, um, her short fuse and her lack of patience with the other women who are more moderate, mm-hmm. I thought made a lot of sense. Yes. And the sort of wildness of her eyes... Mm-hmm um i didn't find it i didn't find it one note um but then i i ended up actually thinking that rooney mara's performance was probably the most um recognizably human Mm -hmm. um because in the end of the day she just was like a deep well of compassion and caring Mm -hmm. and that was what was motivating her whereas the other women were motivated by other things and Mm -hmm. but then you know as I think like I'm, I'm doing too much. I'm just doing too much talking here. Cause I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I can't get into the perspective of, of the woman, the women characters. I'd be clear. I'd be Claire Foy. And I would want to like rip Rooney Mara's face off and just be like, what are we doing here? And that mm-hmm. wouldn't be about the ramifications. It would be like, like Claire Foy's character says about protecting her children. Yeah. Right. At the end of the day, that's really who she has to, who she has to look after. Shall we take a quick break? Sure. More to light coming up next. <laughs> More to like. More to like. What else did you like, Matt? I thought the writing was really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, the nuance, it didn't sound like they were all speaking in one voice. Mm-hmm. Um, each woman had her own characteristics, um, had her own way of phrasing things. Um, they were all coming from different approaches and different angles there. But the shared sense of community and the sort of oneness of how they'd all been shaped um, meant that they... They spoke to each other and they understood each other very well, but we could see nuance mm-hmm. in what they were saying, um, which I thought was very, very good. Um, the other thing I thought was really good was there's a there's a version of this movie, and I think this goes to the writing as well, or stage direction, whatever you want to call it, where the act, acts plural of the men who have been committing these crimes against the women is depicted more thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that it was a really smart and sensitive way 
to depict it without sidestepping what it actually meant. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that well, she's focusing been... on the horror of it, right? Yes. The aftermath is not in the it, it's in the act, but it really it's in the aftermath of the act. Yeah, yeah. When the, the women have been attacked while not conscious, mm -hmm. um, which is part of why, like, I wouldn't want to watch that ever, mm -hmm. right? And I don't think anybody would. But I thought that um, the way it was, the way the violence in the aftermath was depicted was tasteful, but needfully shocking mm -hmm. simultaneously. So I thought that was very effective. You uh, wanted to talk about Daydream Believe in that. Well, I just wanted to ask you, I like the needle drop. So there's one song in the movie. Mm -hmm. so it's a bit of a spoiler to say what name the song. Um, it's, it's interesting because we, like, I've never really deeply analyzed the song. Um, I was just wondering if you thought it meant anything that it was that song, because theoretically it could have been anything. So mm -hmm. why Daydream Believer by the Monkees? I think the title's important. I think that the, that it's a great choice because the title's important that these women are believing in daydream if they think they can stay in this place. Right. And I also think that like the, uh, that harkens back to a time, mm -hmm. right. When this community would have settled and it just, it, it adds the same as the saturation, the same as their way of speaking to each other. It adds to the, the timelessness of the, what you're watching. Yeah. The movie's set in 2010, mm -hmm. which is interesting, and it's um, which it, has to do with the real story that it's based on. Yeah, uh, the, the songs from 1968. So that's it's an interesting, yeah, the, mm -hmm. the timelessness. I think I think there's probably more in in the song than we're even realizing. The fact that everybody seems to recognize it and, and know it mm -hmm. um, was interesting too. I didn't think that. No, I didn't think everyone recognized and knew it. They just I thought it was really strange that considering there's no music anywhere else in their community when the i don't think it's a spoiler to tell them it's the census taker that yeah. comes to town with this song blaring on his truck um and i would i would assume if i'm the census taker that i'm putting that song on assuming it's one that everyone knows that uh that they didn't know it it was like they they it, it played for a solid three or four seconds before they even realized what they were hearing mm. it wasn't like anybody was singing along or they were just like oh that's that's something new right right that we're going to hide from for the most part yeah. um so yeah i don't i thought it was a great choice uh but i'm not i'm not sure that our main that our characters had ever heard it before anything you didn't like there's one one little quibble yeah um me too and it was the ambiguity around how claire foy solved the problem she had with her son mm. who was on the cusp of adulthood potent late adolescence you know i think mm -hmm. he's supposed to be 15 but mm -hmm. he's at that point, he is as close to becoming a man in this community as, is it commune? I was going to call it no, a commune. colony. Colony, excuse me, uh, as he was going to get. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, um, she's got a really tough decision to make mm -hmm. about, do you treat him like he's one of the men? Or do you treat him like he's your little boy? Mm -hmm. um, and it, it wasn't clear, even though you see something happen, it wasn't clear what was happening. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, I would have tidied that up. Maybe in, in editing, there was something that they just decided didn't need to be in there. Um, Maybe we're not as smart as Sarah Polly hopes that we are. Yeah. I think that's really what it is. I think it's not supposed to be obvious, but I think I should have gotten there without you having to explain it to me, without having to look it up on the internet. Yeah. So I just think that that's a, a very intelligent director going like, yeah, people will get this. Like mm -hmm. we think all the time, oh, people will get that. And then they don't get it. I think that just means we're, we're dumber. <laughs> but there's, there's nothing, there's really nothing in this I didn't like. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's a very powerful movie. It is a very challenging movie. 
it is not an entertaining movie. No. Um, and it's pretty dour and 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 difficult. Although there are a few moments of levity. One of the that's another thing I'll mention that I liked was that it found the space to uh give the women opportunity to laugh mm -hmm. like even in the in the face of horror mm -hmm. and this 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 ordeal that they're preparing for they have a few moments where they break into into chuckles mm -hmm. um and uh there's there's a few lines in it that are actually quite quite funny mm -hmm. and i thought that that was well well placed it's just so i'm just thinking about those moments and it's just those moments make it so realistic mm -hmm. like that is exactly what would happen i'm thinking about when jesse buckley yells at ooh, i gotta get her name do you remember the name of the character uh una no it's not una oh okay i'm talking about the one that's from peterborough shout out to peterborough majel 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 right i don't know her. well the, the yes i know who you're actually the glasses um when she yells at her and, and says one of her characters this is not a, not a spoiler one of her characters has a panic attack and jesse buckley's character says like you know every time every time we talk about this you bring attention to yourself by having a panic attack and you have to smoke to to you know get attention from people and i can i can like that that is something i would be feeling even if i didn't say it mm -hmm. right like you're just you're just getting attention from this oh yeah they're real women like mm -hmm. it, you get the real sense that they're real women that had lived like it's a it's a testament to the preparation that mm -hmm. this cast must have put in because it felt like they were hugely familiar with each other these were not people that had just been thrown together mm -hmm. these are people that lived their whole lives together yeah labored together struggled together all the way through i'm gonna were... I, i'm gonna talk about one thing i didn't like and okay. then i'm gonna uh i've got a question for you okay and then we'll talk about whether or not it's, it's best picture so this is probably going longer than 30 minutes sorry friends so uh i want to talk about uh my one quibble and it is a quibble it's not a not a complaint um i thought it was unrealistic even and maybe maybe it's not unrealistic maybe that's the wrong word in the moment i thought it was unrealistic for one of our matronly women who are who's kind of being the the conversation guider um on this during this discussion um one of our older women to talk back to august but like when when she when he he put, voices an opinion after being told that he's allowed to have an opinion he voices an opinion later on in the movie and she says, we're not here to hear your opinion. Is it the older lady or is it Jesse Buckley? It was Jesse Buckley. Was Jesse Buckley. Okay. So she says, we're not here to hear your opinion. You will listen to us. I, in the moment, I thought, well, that's not realistic. But then now I'm thinking maybe she doesn't, maybe she is viewing him more as a child than a man, right? He, he's, this is the August character has gone away. His mother was excommunicated for having strong opinions on some topic that never gets revealed he has gone to university and then come back to the colony because they needed a teacher. And so he was a good fit to be the boy's teacher. Um, so I just thought it wasn't realistic for maybe perhaps he's not, because he's not married. Uh, she sees him as more of a child than anything else. I just didn't think it was realistic for her to speak back to a man at all, especially one who seemingly wasn't um, being aggressive in any way. No, but it, it actually makes sense later on when you, find out more about Jesse Buckley's character that she has a, a pretty deep-seated loathing for all men. I guess. I just... And I think she thinks of him as like an interloper in their midst. I think she's frustrated by their inability to do what he has to be doing for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. And then I want to talk about the August character. What do we think about him in the end? Um, so August, maybe we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about it. Okay. Okay. This will go long today. <laughs>
question is, what do I think about Arthur? Yeah. Um, I thought that there was a lot going on there. Um, again, Ben Wishaw's performance is really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a very emotional person. He's listening intently. He's taking beautiful handwritten notes. Um, he's trying to bring some organization at one point to the proceedings, which, you know, threatened to go off the rails or descend into something that's not productive. Um, he seems very much to be on their side. And, um, but in the end, and without spoiling anything, um, he chooses to, to stay, mm-hmm. right? Like he, he theoretically could have not made that choice, but mm-hmm. he chose to stay. Um, and I had questions really about whether or not as a man who lived in this colony, he was more aware of what was going on right. than he wanted to admit yeah, to himself a, or certainly to the women. Yeah. That, that maybe the, what's happening internally, and it is a very internal performance. Uh-huh. He says some things, but the, his declarations of his feelings for, for Una, Una. the Rooney Mara character, but like he's, he's processing, he's listening, he's understanding their pain and connecting to them. And I wonder the level of his culpability. I don't think that he was ever a participant in the assaults, but I think that he certainly must have known something was a mess. Something was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about him processing that. Mm-hmm. But that always remains in the margins of this film because mm-hmm. it's, this isn't about his story at all. No. Um, but I thought that there was there was subtlety there mm-hmm. to that. Um, so that's what I think about August. Would we support this as best as best picture, Matt? I I would. Um, I think this movie comes out two years ago. It wins Best Picture. Yeah. This comes out in the midst of Me Too and Harvey Weinstein about to be found guilty. Maybe Women Talking wins. I think it's at least two years too late. I don't think it wins, but I would support it as Best Picture. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, if we're making I'm if we're making the case for like, if we're ranking them, then Women Talking comes in second for me, maybe behind Top Gun. Yeah, it's it's really difficult because it doesn't even feel like it feels like all the other movies we've watched are apples and this is an orange Mm -hmm. like it's not it's not like the other films in any way yeah it's it's stripped down it's very character based there's no action there's no excitement is this where we talk about how christina has changed her definition of an oscar-winning movie go ahead so i in the in previous episodes i have said it has to be entertaining and say something and i i still would say that i prefer those kinds of movies However, uh, I think that we need to change the word entertaining to riveting because mm-hmm. this movie is not entertaining, but it certainly is riveting. And obviously it has something to say. So I'm changing my, for, for, for the purposes of this podcast, I'm changing my definition of best picture winner in Christina's view. Yeah. So I wouldn't recommend it to anybody no. without first being very clear with them about what it was about, mm-hmm. what the content was and and then I don't think that I, w- I would ever necessarily rewatch it. I wouldn't seek it out. No. It didn't do anything particularly avant-garde in terms of the filmmaking. And I think kind of seeing it once is enough. Me too. Um, but it is something that I think everybody ought to see. Yes. Um, and I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. Oh, God. So this movie is, on the surface, it's about these women in this circumstance, mm-hmm. right? It's about what do we do in the present context of this problem? But I wondered if you would just weigh in on whether or not you think it was perhaps symbolic of the relationship women have to men 
in general. That is to say, and like Louis C.K. actually made a, a comedy bit about this. That oh, good. The, Let's the, reference Louis C.K. Well, in our podcast. Goodbye, listeners. It was nice, <laughs> nice knowing you. No, but like this, this, this. I mean, he was noted for making mm -hmm. observations. Mm -hmm. The observation was that there's no greater threat to women anywhere in the world than men. Little did we know at the time that he was yeah, one of them. And he was one of them. Um, but I wonder like if you saw it as as a metaphor for for that, or did you see it just on the superficial not to say that you're superficial, but the read it in a superficial way that it's just about these women in this circumstance. Or do you think it he was trying to say more about women's relationship to men at large? Because I'll I'll just add in that Crickets. while while you think about it, the there's a, a fairly significantly long monologue by August's character where they're debating about what the cutoff is going to be between who qualifies as a man and who's a boy mm -hmm. and whether or not a 13 or 14 year old boy is redeemable. Um, which is to say that like the reading the women have in the movie in this community is that they're all being taught the same thing, which is to abuse and mistreat women. Mm -hmm. And that it's sort of like the rite of passage for all men to sort of misuse and, and mistreat women, mm -hmm. abuse women, and that men are inherently threatening um, and that they need to be fled mm -hmm. um, and that confronting them would be probably disastrous um, and that they, they live in a community that's built and designed by men to perpetuate men's interests, really. Well, when you put it that way, like it's clearly, do you think it's clearly a metaphor? I think, yeah, I didn't see it that way when I was watching it. All I could think was, I really want to read the book. Mm -hmm. Right. But I think when you phrase it that way that, yeah, we're talking about an insular community where it is, I think like this takes it to the nth degree, but that like when you take something to the nth degree, it often is a metaphor for mm -hmm. the rest of the world. Right. So, yeah, I think that that's probably, probably in there somewhere, even if it wasn't uh, conscious, I'm sure it was conscious, right. Sarah Polly, but uh even if it wasn't, um, it doesn't, even if it doesn't hit all audience members that way, it, it hit, it would hit some that way for sure. Yeah. It's, it's just so feminist. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I, frankly, I, I, I responded to that. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, it made me think, it made me think as a teacher and I don't want to get too political. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm going to try carefully here, mm -hmm. but in the, the context of decolonization and, and inclusivity and building equity, this notion of like, we can't see the system that we're with, that's been built up around us, mm -hmm. right? The women can't see the system that's been built up around them until it's too late. But then there's an added layer of the systems, plural, that have been built around our society, mm -hmm. the gender norms and the uh, sexual expectations and all that. Um, I just thought it was interesting mm -hmm. that like, it, we've been having in a very introspective last few years, mm -hmm. right? Sort of Un unlearning some things mm -hmm. about what we assumed was right mm -hmm. or proper or or seeing, Stere seeing stereotypes that we've grown up with yeah and seeing things through a different lens mm -hmm. right and like I've, I've been actively we've been actively trying to see things through a different lens and i think this movie is a lens through which we can become quite critical of the patriarchy yeah mm -hmm. yeah and I, I thought it was really effective in mm -hmm. that way i did too. really really truly mm -hmm. and like if i'm voting with my heart right now mm -hmm. like Having, oh, yeah. having seen this like this is the best movie of the ones we've seen like Absolutely. hands down yes um but will it win best picture i i really don't think so no which is a travesty but is a nomination enough it's certainly 
an honor to be recognized, yes. you would think. Um, and it, and it's going to facilitate more people seeing it. Mm -hmm. um, one last question. Yes. Did you see this as a criticism of religion? Yes. You did? I did. Yeah. As I was watching it, I was thinking, I don't think these women, first of all, I thought it was really interesting that they never abandoned their faith. That's a very important part of the movie, right? Is that they're not turning their back on God. They're turning their back on the men. And especially Claire Foy talking about how, you know, if, if God is a vengeful God, then he will understand what we are doing. If he is not a vengeful God, he will understand what we are doing, right? Either mm -hmm. way. So you just give me a look. Is that, nope. am I spoiling things? No. Okay. Um, so I think that, that it was a criticism on that. I also don't think the women re ever realize in this movie that they are the ones with the power, right? This movie reminded me of the, mm, not, I don't, critically acclaimed is the wrong word. Um, what's it called when it's like, um, renowned, well-known? No, yeah, well-known, but like cr critics were split on the book, uh, on the book, The Power, about um, women who suddenly get the power in their hands to kill men. We can just zap them. So um, it, it's a, that's a really interesting plot. And it reminded me of this movie that these women never realized that they have all the power, yeah. that they could demand that they be taught to read and write. They could demand. And, and if not, then then we're going to leave. Right. right. So I, I thought that was interesting that they never really realized that we, we are we are 50% of this population and more than that, because we're going to take the kids with us if we leave. Yeah. So we are the ones who are who are holding more power than we realize. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. That they never they never get there in their conversations. And I think that that was the criticism of the religion. Yeah. It was a religion holding them back. Yeah. And I never got the sense that Sarah Pauly was judging them. No, 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 not at all. OK, that's it, folks. What a convo. Join us again next time for our next film, which we don't know what it is. We're not going to commit to movies anymore because this was a surprise. Thank you for listening. Bye.